Two Broke Chicks is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional custodians of our land. Always was, always will be. Hey Chicks, I'm Al. And I'm Sal. And this is Two Broke Chicks, the show that shares life lessons because we are broke in funds but rich in life. And welcome to part two for investing for dummies. Yeah. We're the dummies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nah, our beginner's guide to investing. Sexy. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, that came out last Thursday. So definitely go back and listen to that one first because we covered all the basics of, you know, what is investing? What are the different ways you can invest? How much should you start investing if you are a little baby beginner mm-hmm. like us? <laughs> little baby little beginner. Little baby beginner. And we're going to jump straight into it in this episode. We did life lessons last week, all right? Mm-hmm. If you want to if you want to hear the tea. Yeah. Like a great tip to unsubscribe for your emails. That's in last week too. They're like, can you start? And I'm like, okay, okay, hold on. We're going to do it. We're getting into it. Okay. So like we said in part one, a little disclaimer before we get into the episode, this is not financial advice. Please make sure to do your research and seek advice from a financial advisor if you want any specific tips for you. Any advice given in this episode is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. So we teased in the last episode (laughs) that Tash is going to tell us how she's going to make $9.5 million in 40 years, Mm -hmm. which I'd like to know. So Tash, welcome. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome back. We're back. You shared a reel on your Instagram that you've invested $200,000 in shares and if you didn't invest another dollar that you would make $9.5 million return in 40 years. Run us through that. The magic of compound interest. Do you remember those fun graphs when you were in school that showed exponential growth and they started at the bottom and they just shoot up to the top really quickly? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it is. So you put money in and then the average return of the stock market, well, the average return of the S&P 500 since like 1957, I think it was, is 10.15%. Mm-hmm. So putting that in a fun compound interest calculator, it'll just keep growing. And like in the last episode, we said you make money from capital growth and dividends. And if you invest all of that, your money just keeps making more money. And then your returns keep making more returns and then it just grows, which is pretty magical. Hmm. Mm. And so this is kind of why people say it's good to put your money in investing rather than having a lump sum in a savings account because in investing this money starts working for you, right? Yeah, your money could work for you in your savings account as well because your interest will earn more interest, which is really exciting too, but it's at a lower rate than shares, for Mm. example, usually. Mm -hmm. What would you say is like a good percentage of your income or like percentage of what you earn (laughs) in your savings? Like when you'd be like, okay, do you know what? That's a good amount in savings. I'm going to start putting stuff in shares. It really depends. Yeah. Like I know people like exact numbers and that's mm. why the Barefoot Investor did really well because he was like, do 20% here and 30% here. But it really depends. Like if you're earning 40000 a year, your savings are going to be very different to someone who's earning $500,000 a year, for example. And it depends on your goals. Like if you want to go on holiday to Europe, if you want to get married next year, if you want to buy a house next year as well, you're probably not going to invest in shares because you need that money sooner. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're more flexible with it and you don't want to buy a house and you're not going on holiday next year, then maybe you'll invest more. Mm-hmm. But it really depends on you. So if you have goals like buying a house, a wedding, traveling, you need to focus on that goal first before you start investing quite It depends. Like you can do both um, if you want to do like half and half or split it between them all. But if you know that you need all of your money for your wedding next year, there's no point really investing it in shares because we should think of shares as something that's seven years or longer for investing. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get married in seven years, yeah, sure. But if it's next year, it's probably better to save it. 
Yeah, so shares aren't your lottery tickets being No. Like, I'm no. going to make 10K and that can pay for my wedding. You can try. <laughs> <laughs> if you're flexible, like maybe not a wedding, but if it's a holiday, for example, and you are flexible, you could invest it for a shorter term, but you need to be aware that the market might crash for a year or two mm. and you need to be able to ride that out so you don't want to be cancelling your wedding because your shares have crashed. Yeah. It's probably yeah. very risky to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But for a house, for example, like if you're happy to wait, then sure. But, mm. it, yeah, depends. I found it very funny on that reel um, – that there was quite a high volume of men in the oh comments. Oh, my gosh. They found my dad on LinkedIn and what? they were trying to prove how much he earned to, like, prove that he was giving me all the money. Yeah, that was a wild one. Sometimes. I was like, shut up. And that oh they were God. being like, oh, the, that's not the interest rate, blah, 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 blah. I like how they read it wrong too. So many people were like, it's not 10.5. And I was like, no, it's 10.15, like I said. Please mm-hmm. go away. Mm, yeah. I it's mean, very interesting. Being a woman in finance. Uh-huh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how sexist the world still was until I started doing this. Yeah. It's been interesting. Yeah. It's wild. And yeah. But that's the thing, especially with investing, especially with the stock market, it's a boys' locker room. Mm-hmm. Like, and I do think women are looked at when they want to get into this being like, oh, cute. Yeah. yeah. Little pet and project. There's not a lot of room for us to, you know, enter this area and enter this knowledge because as well, when we are beginners and we are trying to learn, we're very much looked down upon and yeah. being like, oh, cute, you want to start your little investing journey? Yeah. Either there's like one side to it where all the marketing's like, oh, you should cut your dish funds in half because you can't invest, you should just save. Or there's the other half where it's like, oh, no, you can't want to make money. Like you're meant to care for people and be generous. Like how dare you want to profit off these companies as well? Mm. Like it's really interesting from that perspective too. Mm. But then there's all the crypto bros. They're like, yeah, buy this random thing that's shot up heaps and heaps. But yeah. yeah. But you bought crypto back yes. in the day, didn't you? Yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, it dropped in like 2021. Yeah, put a bit of Bitcoin and Ethereum. I have like 15,000 left in it now. Mm-hmm. But it, I got, I'm not excited anymore. So I've just kind of ignored it. Like I was really excited for a few months and now I'm just like, oh, it's there. Bitcoin and like crypto seems so scary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's very like up and down. Yeah. I definitely, if you want to buy it, make it a small percentage of your portfolio. Like definitely invest in other things too. Because mm-hmm. um, it is very risky and it's not regulated and we don't know what's going to happen to it. But right. it's fun for some people. So as a beginner, would you would you recommend beginners maybe don't look towards crypto? Only a small amount. Yeah. Like a raised portfolio has crypto in it. I think there's one of them that has 5% allocation to Bitcoin. Like I think Bitcoin is fine if you want to put a tiny bit in there. But mm-hmm. keyword is tiny. Don't go invest heaps of money into it straight away. Yeah, volatile. Yeah, and be comfortable losing it all as well. Yep, no. <laughs> That's like your lottery ticket. I hate ticket. losing money. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hate it. So I know that, like, I would be so being like, if it was, like, $2, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. So I think, especially for me personally, I need to go on the one that's, like, long term. Don't look at yeah, it. Exactly. Take bye some bye. of the emotion yeah. out of it from a day to day. And it's good to kind of have that, have that knowledge because I think we do think we're going to – start this journey and we're going to check it every day mm. yeah. and, like, become that really annoying guy at work that always tells you about their shares and yeah. you're like, I don't care. Yeah. But then you get it and you're like, oh, my God, guys, my shares are up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> when it's good for everyone. Yeah. And everyone yeah. goes silent. <laughs> but I think it's good to to get that knowledge and maybe have a bit of self-reflection of if you know that you're going to be emotionally attached to your investments to be aware of that yeah. and, and see what's going to be best for you then if you're yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. Or if you know that you're going to play around with it a lot, just put it into super. Mm. Yeah, because then you can't touch it and you know it's away forever and you know it's diversified already and you can't play around with it. So That's good. If works. you know that you are always transferring your savings back to your your bank account. Yeah. Yes, if you're doing that, fix that, work on that first before you start investing for sure. Like you really need to know 
what your cash flow is like before you start investing because you really don't want to have to sell. That's the only time you lose money is when you're forced to sell when it's down. Mm. So you really want to protect against that. Mm -hmm. Do you have a way that you, like a favourite way of budgeting your paycheck? Um, It depends because life's a bit random and all over Mm -hmm. the place. Um, I'm more focused on tracking my spending. Years and years ago, I wrote down everything that I spent, like literally every dollar, and then I got really intuitive with it and was now I kind of just know how much I can spend. Um, But I kind of like like the bucket kind of system a little bit or having different funds for things where you save up individually for stuff. Um, But it really depends what works for you. And it's really about being really mindful and knowing where your money is going first and then setting goals for things. Mm. So Mm. what's the bucket theory? Um, So I have a, like an account for all of my bills and I've worked out how much they are each fortnight or each month, whatever my pay was back six months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I make sure I had an amount from every pay saved for all of my bills. So my mortgage, my strata fees, my car rego, everything each month. And I had different savers set up for everything that I needed. And then I invested no matter what. So back then I used to invest $1,000 a fortnight. And then after all of that, whatever I had left over, I could spend. Okay. That's cool. So if we, do you know that um, method that's really popular? That's like the 50, 30, 20. Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. it? Yeah. How would you incorporate investing into the 50, 30, 20? Is it 20% of that is for your future, I think? Yeah. 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 So it's either like 20% for savings or 20% for investing. You mm. could split that as well. Mm. But it really depends what you want to do. Like, do you want to save something first? Do you want to invest a little bit? Do you just want to invest $10 a week as well? Mm. Like it's more about really figuring out what you want to do and why and not just invest because it's a good thing to do. Like, why do you want to invest? Get really down to that. Yeah. Mm. And because I think a lot of people these days especially have found that the 50% doesn't actually cover no, it the not. essential expenses like perhaps it would have in the past. Especially so there's also Sydney that to consider too. Yeah. 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 Sydney and Melbourne things. Yes. Fun. It hurts me. And don't be like upset or disheartened if you can't invest 20% because that is a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, that I think could a lot be of people a struggle to invest the twenty percent in as savings. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. That's why I don't quite like that method. Find yeah. what works for you. Mm-hmm. So shifting gears a little bit, because we, you know, we always see like headlines or TikToks that go viral about people who like make it big on on the stock market. Can you actually become a millionaire in your twenties from investing? Very unlikely. Um, One of my favorite examples is if you invest $100 a week for 40 years, getting an average return of 7% a year, you'll be a millionaire in 40 years. So if you want to become a millionaire in your 20s, which to say is like 10 years, you need to invest a lot. I had to play around with it before and I think it was like $1,200 a week you needed to invest and it needed to return at least 10%. Yeah. So investing is a long-term game unless you are really lucky. But I think a lot of those videos, people are just lying. Probably. That's a good point. I like that that <laughs> calculation though. I yeah. think it's good. And, yeah, shifting the mindset to be like this isn't even going to be probably the return that you want in like 10 years. Yeah, it's not started the fun graph thing yet. If you've got your like exponential thing, like you're still down here in your 10 years, you've not had the big growth mm. yet. So you need a longer time frame, which is why investing early is so important. Mm. I think that's good though. It's a good lesson to be like, okay, we're in our 20s. We've got the time. Yeah. yeah. Like what would be upsetting is probably – if you, you're turning 40 and you're like, fuck, mm. I should have started this a while yeah. ago. You can still do it, but, yeah, you have to invest a lot more to catch up. Mm. So it's really powerful now. I know a lot of people say YOLO, like you should just spend all your money now, but mm. even investing that $10 a week like really adds up over the long term. Mm. Yeah. Okay, Tash, so you share that you made some mistakes and lost $5,000 when you were still learning to invest. Can you talk us through in detail the top three mistakes that beginners investors make and how they can avoid it? My mistake was I got too excited. Um, Mm -hmm. So COVID happened and the market crashed for 
a little while. And I was like, great, cool. The world is locked down. We're not going to, it's not going to recover. It's going to keep going down. So I bought an inverse leveraged ETF, which means that every time the stock market went up one, I lost double and then it recovered miraculously. So I lost all of that. But that was a good learning lesson, I think, with that amount of money because I got a little bit greedy with it. I want to try and time the market, whereas now I don't bother doing that. I just put money in and let it be and don't try and be an expert anymore. But yeah, that was a fun learning experience. Mm. Um, but top three mistakes, I think, is having unrealistic expectations. So seeing those crypto bros or those videos and expecting to make hectic returns really quickly, mm-hmm. like just checking your expectations a little bit. Um, it's also focusing too much on which broker to pick. That's one of my most popular questions ever is like the difference between Perler and Stake or Perler and Self Wealth or which broker do I pick or should I say 50 cents on brokerage here? But what you buy matters more than where you buy it. Um, like for example, just say you want a chocolate bar. You can go to Woolies, Coles, the petrol station, Costco, wherever you want. They've all got pros and cons. But if you don't like KitKat, like you don't want to buy a KitKat no matter where you go. So pick the ETF you want first and then go find somewhere to buy it. Um, and not starting as well, like becoming overwhelmed with everything and not just starting. Like we learn the most from actually doing the thing. And a lot of people will try and get the perfect plan before they start. But then you've missed like a year or two of gains in that time. Mm-hmm. That's so true. The paralysis of like the unknown. Cause, yeah. But it is scary. Like it is like, I don't know what I'm doing. But like you said, you learn as you go. And it's mm. easy to procrastinate. And I also think another one is not talking about money as well. Like if you don't talk about it, it's not at the front of your mind. It's easy to just bury it and pretend it's not an issue for a little while. So I think talking about money, like talk to your friends, say you want to invest, tell them that you're saving for as well and you can kind of do it together. Mm. What companies will you personally be keeping an eye on to invest in during 2024? No individual companies. Sorry, mm. nothing exciting. I'm just going to keep buying my DHHF ETF. So do you mm. buy the same ETF each month? So you said you were putting in how much? $1,000 a month? It's $200 a week when that adds up. Yes. Yeah. Once it reaches $1,000 in invest, yeah. 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 So when you put $200 in a week, what's that process? Do you put it in the same ETF? Do you have a look around? How do you yeah, so I used to buy all of them because I was excited. Like <laughs> funds were saying ACDC or there was one called Robo as well and then there's like all these ethical, fun, future ones or more mm-hmm. tech ones too. But now I just buy the same boring one over and over again. But it depends what your strategy is. Like if you're buying a Robo one one week, then maybe the next week you want to buy a more broader ETF. Or if you've bought all Australian companies, then the next week you might want to buy US companies to try and diversify. But it really depends what you're buying. But mm-hmm. I buy the same one now to try and simplify it. Because there's lots out there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good strategy. Yeah. Keep Is that simple. automated for you? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it removes like the need to check and look and like it takes a lot of weight off your mind as well, not having to think about going to do it. So yeah, it's mm. all automated. It direct debits $200 a week from my account. And then once it reaches $1,000 in Perla, it just automatically invests and buys it for me. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. So it like is kind of like you put it into Perla as like a little bit of a savings thing. And then yeah. once you reach a certain amount, it invests it for you. Yeah. So then I save on brokerage thing. that way. Yeah. So with um, that app, does it have to be a minimum of $1,000? Perla's minimum of 500 but the brokerage fee is 550 from memory. And you want to try and keep your brokerage fees under 1% of the amount. Because um, mm-hmm. if you're spending $5 on fees, you need to make that $5 back before you're getting returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like $1,000. There's an investing frequency calculator. You can just Google that and it will tell you the optimal amount to invest depending on your savings. Um, so that's a really fun one to use. That's great. Yeah. And I think with the Perla one, it ends up being like $1,100 every 11 weeks if you want to invest $100 a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the brokerage fees, how do those get paid? 
Does that get paid like with the money that you're transferring? It Do you depends. pay that outside of it? Which broker, yeah. So some will just add it to the trade amounts, but with Pearly you can pre-buy them to get them a bit cheaper. It just mm-hmm. depends what your broker does. Okay. And the brokerage fees is like the fact that they're kind of doing the work for you yeah. with investing it? Okay. Yeah. And you get lots of letters in the mail still, which is fun. It's a bit of an outdated system still. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what are the letters, the fees? Um, the letters are saying that you own it if you buy it through a chess sponsored broker. Um, so it gives you a letter to say you own these shares. And then you have to, you own them through something called a share registry, um, which is called like computer share or link markets, I think are the two main ones. Um, and on the share registry is where you decide what to do with your dividends. Um, so if the broker goes bankrupt, then you can manage your shares through the share registry, which is really cool. Okay. Do you have to keep those letters? I don't open mine. Are you sure? Okay. I was going to say, look. surely yeah. you can get all of that information in your account. Like, is that right? the one thing, like a birth certificate, to be like, I own yeah. these? Yeah. You can try and turn them to like electronic, but when I did that, they just sent me more letters saying I tried to turn them to electronic. So, fucking <laughs> <laughs> standard. Yeah. Okay, so with the current cost of living crisis, a lot of us don't have a lot of expendable income to invest thousands of dollars. And we did touch on this in the last episode, but what is the minimum amount you can start investing with? But what is the minimum amount you would recommend? You can start with $5. And I think if you want to learn how it works, start with $5. But also there's seasons of our lives as well. Like you don't have to invest all the time. If you're at uni or you're really struggling right now, like the cost of living will get better in a few years. Like it's a really shitty time right now, um, but it will get better. So you don't don't force yourself to do it if it's not right for you right now. And don't feel bad about it either. Like lots of people aren't investing right now. Hmm. But if you have the money, $5 is great if you want to start there. I think people have like $5 a week. It's your morning coffee. Mm. I hate that analogy. But yeah. yeah, but it's true. But it's also accurate. good to know that's not permanent as well. So say, for example, if you were going on maternity leave or if you lost your job or you decided to go travelling for a year, you can bring that down or just not invest yeah, like all, we've got if that's an option. Lots yeah. of time, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. And you're also, if you're working, you're putting money in super anyway, like automatically, like you are investing for your future that way. So while you do have to balance like future you versus you now, like don't stress if you really can't actually afford it. Mm-hmm. We're all investors. Yeah, yeah. So if you're, yeah. Super, you're already doing it. Nice. So you also have a book in the works. Can you tell us some more about what we can expect when it will drop? Any sneak peeks? Yes, beats? yes. It's coming out in June, I think, which is very exciting. Oh my god! Um, congrats. Yes, thank you. Um, a bit random, but fun. Uh, yeah, it's all about how to invest, but how to not work forever. So it's not just about investing completely. Um, it's about how to fit it into your life and automate it, and just let it tick around in the background. Because mm-hmm. um, I got a bit sick of all those books that were more than you needed to know. Like some of them are really complex, and I don't really care about all of that stuff. So all you need to know, really simple to the point. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. That's like what I'm into, like almost passive income in the background. Nobody got time for that. Well, I don't. No, I don't. No. (laughs) 100%. And our final question is what has been your biggest life lesson you've learned on your investing journey so far? Um, Make it boring. Make it really boring. It doesn't have to be exciting. The more exciting you make it, the more you'll probably lose money because you're tinkering with it too much. Um, There was a study by Fidelity. I think they tried to bury it because you can't find it anymore. You can just find the news articles about it. But anyway, they said the best investors were either dead or inactive. So the people who didn't tinker around with it at all, they just left their money sitting there. Wow. So remember that. So tip, die. (laughs) No. (laughs) Less (laughs) But that's a great tip. So just keep it simple, stupid. Buy and hold. Yeah, don't try and do anything fancy. If the farm managers can't beat the market over the long term, you probably can't either as an everyday person. So make it easy. I like this. I like this mentality because I feel comfortable with it. I know. I feel like 
these two episodes have made me feel so less scared about mm. getting started. And it's something that Alex and I have spoken about for so long and something that we've shown interest in for so long, but I think we both just felt overwhelmed. So thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I've learned so much and you've really demystified a lot of mm. the steps of the process for us and I think our chicks will really appreciate it too. When are you going to invest? Well, this I need to do some research. Yeah, 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 nice. I think, yeah, I'm going to download the apps. Let's go. Just going to listen to this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Tash, so where can the chicks go to learn more about you and follow along with your journey and your tips and everything? You can find me on TikTok and Instagram under Tash Invests or I have a podcast called The Get Rich Slow Club where we talk all about fun investing stuff like this. Perfect. We'll put all the links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much again for joining us. And thank you to the chicks for having us in your ear holes. We absolutely love to be here. If you know anyone that would find this episode valuable, feel free to chuck them a link or chuck it in the group chat. Mm -hmm. And thanks to MIK Made for making today's episode happen. We love it. Bye, chicks. Bye. Natasha Etchman is an authorised representative number 1299881 of Guideway Financial Services AFSL number 420367. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out Tasha's financial services guide and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See the show notes for more info.